When I was still in seminary, I did an internship of an assumption in Belmont, and uh, so I was there for a semester and then through the summer, and it was great being in the school, being at the church. Um, at one point, the, the moms there just asked to have a meeting with me where we could talk about seminary um, because they, they said, well, like we, we love priests, we, we want priests, we want good priests, but we don't know enough about seminary to like encourage our sons because we, we want what's good for them. So back, back then I was Mr. Rob, so they said, Mr. Rob, could you, uh, could you come and uh, just, just tell us about what it's like? And so we had this meeting, and I just walked them through, well, here's what daily life is like, here's what you know, we're trying to do, this is the things that we spend our time on, and, and what it's like to live at the seminary, and, um, and I gave a bunch of space for questions. So they asked all kinds of questions, but a lot of the questions were about the rules. So they were like, so what time do you have to get up in the morning? Uh, or what happens if you don't get up on time? Or uh, what other things do you have to do? And what happens when you get in trouble? And those sorts of things. So I thought they were kind of strange questions. Uh, because we, I don't know, it just wasn't really a worry of mine. Um, but as we got into it more, I started to understand that their perspective on seminary was so different than mine. So I started asking them questions like, why, why do you think somebody would ever go to seminary? Like, what's, what's the reason somebody should go? Um, and I realized that, um, that their, their answer was sort of like, well, God needs priests, and so sometimes he takes a man and gives him the responsibility of the priesthood and it's hard work, and he does it out of duty. And that was, that was very illuminating for me to find out that that was their perspective. Um, the, the question, again, I'm, I'm going to give you the answer that I gave them, but the question is, like, why would somebody go? Now, we've had, we had our own priestly ordinations in this diocese yesterday, so there, there are a bunch of people from St. Luke there, and it was beautiful. And then two weeks, two weeks before that, um, I was at my cousin's ordination in Joliet, Father Alex. So I'm, I'm on an ordination high. This is like the best time of year, you know. I don't know what it's like for married people to go to weddings, but for priests to go to ordinations, it is just really strengthening. It's strengthening because you, you receive like a renewed sense of purpose. Like the readings yesterday were from Isaiah. I have sent you to, to bring glad tidings to the poor and proclaim release to captives and healing to, the, to, to those who are brokenhearted. So that was good. But actually, the more important thing was it was a renewed sense of motivation. Like, why would we do this? Why are these guys here? Why is Father Chris and Father Jacob, why did they become priests yesterday? If you're optimistic, then maybe you would say, well, you know, you become a priest because you're a really good guy, or because you're especially generous, or maybe because you have a, a strong sense of duty. And the answer is no. If you go into a seminary for any of those reasons, then you will leave. Or I hope that you leave, because that's not a good reason to go. If you're not an optimist, more of a cynic, then maybe you say, well, you go to seminary and become a priest because of popularity and perks and power. And to that, I say, ha-ha. <laughs> if you go for that, then you will, you will leave very quickly. <clears throat> so why, why ever go to seminary? Why even consider it? We'll quote, we'll quote a mystical poet for the answer here. It's a love story, baby. Just say yes. The, uh, the only reason, and this is what I told the moms that day, and you could see it changed, it changed their whole perspective on this. The only reason to go to seminary, we got, we got, a, we got a whole um, bunch of altar service today, so I, I told these guys, like, the limit, the most you can have at Mass is probably, like, 15. Okay, so four is good, but we're going we're gonna to keep growing from here. And I, and I hope and pray some of these guys, some of you guys, consider 
and end up going to the seminary, whether you become a priest or not. Um, but I can say that because the one reason to ever go to seminary is because you are head over heels in love with God. That is, that is all. So I want to tell you that I have fallen in love with God. And it has happened through several, really many, encounters with him. First, I met Jesus. And then I met his Father. And then I met the Holy Spirit. And in these encounters, in different places and in different ways, what I met was a living person, and not somebody in a book. I met someone who was surprising and who I could not control, and I couldn't be fit into a box. I met a person that was so much more alive than anyone else that you speak of, that you speak to and meet. I got like this little glimpse of this wondrous beauty and glory and goodness and love. And so when you meet the holiness of God in that way, the first response is just wonder. And it makes you quiet and it makes you small. And it happens, you have this immediate, I, I have this immediate uh, urge to just lay on the ground and become small in that way. And, and when, you, when you get there, when you get to your knees or when you get to the ground, that is your joy, to bow down before the majesty of God. Besides wonder, there's gratitude and joy that comes from it. And sometimes the response, like bodily, it, it comes in different ways. But sometimes it is just like an awe, an awed silence. Sometimes in these encounters, the response has been tears. Other times in these encounters, it has just been spontaneous praise. Like before you know what you're doing, you're saying words like we just sang in the Gloria. Lord, you are holy. Lord, you are good. You are love. It, whatever the response is, ultimately it gets to the same place every time. This encounter, what comes from it is love and surrender. Where your heart says before your mouth can speak it, I want to be yours. Will you have me? I want to be yours when you encounter this great love. So I have fallen in love with God, but I neglect the love that has been given to me, and so it grows cold, and it has to be renewed all the time. Anybody who's married can tell you how easily and sneakily this happens, where all of a sudden, after a few weeks or months or years, you look back on your honeymoon, and it is a distant memory. It seems like another world, like, uh, you know, like on a hot day that we've been having. Can you, can you believe that um, a few months ago there was snow on the ground here. Or in the winter, if you try to imagine summer, you just can't do it, you know? So it's like, it's like that far away. Like, how can that ev have ever happened? You look at those moments where you encountered the love of God and they seem distant and your love needs renewal because, because it has grown cold. What difference does love make? You can think of any situation, in a relationship, in a task, in a, in a, in a problem, in a, just a regular day. When we have no love, when we're, when we're not in love, we're bored. And when, when there is love, then we are fascinated. When there is no love, things become old and tired. But when there is love, it's always new and wonderful. When we are not in love, the word is obligation, and we say, if I have to, I will. But when we are in love, obligation never enters the equation. Instead, there's creativity, and we're always finding new ways to express the love that is in our hearts. It's, this is kind of a cheesy image, but it, it, it's actually not bad. You, you've seen the movie Elf. You know how 
buddy, he comes in and he says, I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care who knows it. Love makes us kind of crazy in that way and wild. This is the kind of love that we're talking about. When there is no love, things are burdensome and heavy, and they weigh us down. But when there is love, everything, even the most difficult things, are easy and light. So I asked you a few weeks ago this question. How would you describe your lived relationship with God up to this point in your life? What words would you put to it? Some of you might say, maybe you could say today, Father Rob, I am in love. I have fallen in love with God. Others might say, I know that I have been there, but it has grown cold, and I need renewal. Others maybe have never had an encounter like this, and that's okay. But if you're in that place, then probably this is very confusing, and you don't really know what we're talking about. That's all right. But this is the good news, that God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, he has revealed himself to us because he loves us, because he loves you, and his love does not grow cold. This is the reason why we have this lamp that is burning next to the tabernacle every day and every night. Because the love of God does not grow cold, but it is always burning and bright. And he desires this encounter with you. Maybe it's the first time, maybe it's a renewal. In this context that we're talking about, in the context of love, when Holy Communion comes around, we don't just do this because we're Catholic and it's what you do at Mass. Holy Communion, in, when we're talking about love like this, is the encounter of two thirsts. God thirsting for you and you thirsting for God. And finally, there's union when we come and receive him. He wants this encounter with you, whether it's the first time or it's a renewal. And so we talked about these two events last week as moments where the Holy Spirit brings the church together and make, uh, strengthens our unity. But these same two events, Into the Mystery on June 10th and the Corpus Christi Procession on June 11th, after the 10.30 Mass, these are also moments of encounter. It could be the time when the Lord wants to reveal to you for the first time, or maybe for the millionth time, his overwhelming love for you. So, so why, why do any of this? Why change our plans? Why go through inconvenience? Why walk in the hot sun? Why pray? Why go to Mass? Why give your life as a martyr? Why become a priest? I just want to give you these three short stories from the saints. Okay, St. Francis of Assisi, one day he was struck by the love of God. And he looked around and he saw his own pretty shallow response to this love and that in many other people. And so he wept. And he walked through the streets of Assisi weeping. And somebody said, why are you weeping, poor man? And he said, because love is not loved. Because love itself is not loved, and nobody cares. That's St. Francis of Assisi. Here's a story about Mother Teresa. She, um, the heart of everything for her was her love for Jesus. And so she spent many hours in prayer with him in the Blessed Sacrament. So one day, she was in the chapel. She was praying before the Blessed Sacrament in the tabernacle. And there was a priest who just wanted to learn, how does Mother Teresa pray? And so he went into the chapel to pray and to sort of just, just watch and learn from her. And so she knelt there and she prayed for, for a little while, maybe 20 minutes. And there was, near the tabernacle, there was a little vase and a single flower in it. A beautiful flower. And so as she's praying there, she got up and she went over to the tabernacle and the priest watched very closely. And she took the flower and she turned it so that the flower and, and the, the, the beauty of it faced the tabernacle. So she left it there and then she went back to pray again. Why would she do that? 
The last story is about John Paul II, and there are many, many stories about the love of God in the life of John Paul II, but this one comes from near the end of his life. So at this point, he can't walk. He's in a lot of pain because he's dealing with Parkinson's. Again, he's close to death. And it was Corpus Christi, so they had a Corpus Christi procession in Rome. And because the Holy Father couldn't walk, what they did was they put him in a chair, and there was a couple priests with him to help him, and then the Blessed Sacrament was there in the monstrance on the back of a truck. And so the truck drove slowly through the streets, and then everybody followed afterward. And at one point, pretty early on in the procession, the Holy Father, he lunged forward out of his chair, and the priests caught him and put him back in his chair and said, Holy Father, what are you doing? You're going to hurt yourself. And he said, I want to kneel before the Lord. And they said, you can't. Your, your body, you know, it's going to hurt you. We can't let you do that. And he, he just ended up begging them, please help me to kneel before the Lord. And so they helped him to his knees, and he was in a lot of pain, but he was happier there. So he knelt there for as long as he could, and then they helped him back into the chair. But he was in more pain sitting, because his heart was in pain, because he wanted to show the Lord his love. He was in more pain sitting than he was on his broken knees. So these are, these are three stories for the saints. The, the, the bottom line for all of these stories is that these people have fallen in love with God because they have been overwhelmed by the love of God.